Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to help. And fair warning, our help comes with some strong language attached. So hide your kids, please. Like, hide them now. Because we about to say some thanks. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love, talk to people we adore, crushes we have, and self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. Welcome to our first episode of The Antidote. My name is Grace Edwards. And I'm Amy Aniobi. And um, as close as we are, we actually don't remember uh, when or where we officially met. Uh, But since there's not a ton of Black lady comedy writers in Tinseltown, we probably met through friends, you know, somewhere like... Bitch, Tinseltown? You old? (laughs) Tinseltown. I stand by it because it's what festive. But I suppose it is more commonly known as Hollywood. But we got a lot closer when we started working together on an HBO show, you might have heard of it, called Insecure, starring the wonderful Issa Rae. And we were kind of work wives. Everybody at work was very disgusted. I still remember a day that I was late to the Zoom and I came in and you were like, there's my perfect friend, Amy. She's so brilliant and flawless. And everyone went, ugh. I know. Oh my gosh, same. I am Amy's hype woman. I just I don't know. I just think everything you do is perfect. Nothing you've ever done is wrong. Right back at you, girl. You're a fucking queen. Let no one near me ever say nothing else. Okay? (laughs) Well, Insecure sadly has ended and we no longer work together. So since we're always kikiing about how fucked up the world is right now and we help each other through the bullshit, we thought we could invite y'all in to join us. So here we are on this lovely ass and hopefully healing ass podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. The world is so dark right now. It's bleak. So fucking heavy. And it's important to us to be able to absorb the news, but we don't want the news to absorb us. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, we need to know what's going on in the world. But after we take in that trauma, what's our antidote? What are the things that heal us from how shitty the mess is? We named this show The Antidote because it's what we needed. But then we actually discovered a quote by Queen Bell Hooks that fully convinced us the name was solid. The quote is, the practice of love is the most powerful antidote to the politics of domination. Again, the practice of love is the most powerful antidote to the politics of domination. Isn't that a whole word? Mm. As Black women, we are always fighting to keep our head above water, and this quote inspired us to talk not only about our healing, but also about creativity. So after our Antidote guest interview, we'll have a moment called The Creative Tap-In, where we chat about creative process and what helps us uh, do our jobs. (laughs) So we're going to have guests every week. We're going to have suggestions for ways that you can feel better about your life. So we hope you enjoy it. So now that we've set this bitch up, let's get into the show for real. Let's do it. <laughs> we can't have the antidote if we don't have something to get an antidote from. So starting now, up top, 
with our bummer news of the week. The GOP has been grilling Kataji Brown-Jackson, who, by the way, is a Harvard grad and all around, as you know, we always have to be a bad bitch. They've been grilling her about her opinions on like things that she shouldn't even have to talk about at this level, like child pornography cases, her religion, critical race theory, the anti-racist baby book. It's all tomfoolery at the end of the day. I love that you said tomfoolery after using Tinseltown in the same episode. <laughs> Grace, you are 80. legit old timey, 80. as your bio on Twitter <laughs> says. <laughs> but literally, like, they consistently interrupted her. They consistently talked over her. They repeated points she has answered. They're just talking in circles around her, trying to confuse her. But she is the Barack Obama of women. She is like the gold standard of what it is to be in this job because we all have to be perfect to get to that level. And if she's confirmed, she will literally be the first Black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. And they are trying to stop at nothing to stop this person from getting as far as she's like getting further than she's already gotten. And it is infuriating to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I'm so afraid that she's not going to get it. And she's so qualified. Look what they did to Merrick Garland. And that was a white man. So um, I, hmm. I, I if if she do, is actually confirmed, that will be a very good day. And that will be an antidote for me, actually. <sighs> yeah. There's more to make you sob this oh, week. No. My home state, where Ted Cruz is from, there are all these superintendents that are pulling books from the libraries that are talking about sexuality and transgender people. And for me, this this riled me up because I'm just like, well, let me just say the, the thing first. Um, so basically, for months, conservative parents and politicians across Texas have been pressuring districts to remove from school libraries, any books that contain explicit descriptions of sex, labeling several young adult novels as pornography. And I'm over here like, if it's in a school library, guess what it's not? Pornography. Because you know what's pornography? Xtube, Pornhub, the entire fucking internet, which your child has access to because you got them a phone when they were 12. So they already know what tits are. So what the fuck are you talking about, Greg Abbott? What the fuck are you talking about, Texas? You need to stop this shit. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating because it's sort of like, I mean, at the root of all of this, and Florida's don't say gay bill, all of the root of it is homophobia and transphobia. And they're trying to They know that they don't want to be known, just like people don't like to be known as racist. People don't like to be known as homophobic. Um, I think less people care about being known as transphobic, but that's another conversation. So they don't want to call a thing a thing, which is that we don't want Mm. our kids being exposed that they're to the fact the actual fact that there's gay and transgender people out there. So we're going to call it porn because nobody's going to be able to Mm -hmm. argue with taking porn out of schools. I think we can all agree that that's not what anybody wants. Um, Of course not. But but that's the thing that is so infuriating about it. Call it what it is. You don't want your kids being... um, exposed to the facts of the world. Um, And that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. But that's not the only thing pissing me off this week. Okay. I'm sorry. There's so much bummer news, even like for our first episode, (laughs) but I'm also pissed off by the fact that platform shoes are coming back. Have you heard about this? They're like calling it the trend. They're like, oh, we're making the internet wholesome again by bringing back platform shoes. Platform shoes! Like those thick-ass bricks that used to be under your feet when you would go to like, you know, a play in high school and you would run too fast and it would slide to the side and you'd roll your ankle because your whole shoe like flops to the other side of your foot and you fall down. That's what's coming back. And they literally are calling it mood-enhancing fashion because (laughs) people are all nostalgic because of the pandemic. 
Well, I refuse. I refuse. Why are we having nostalgia for this period in time that was not that fucking great? You know? It was a dark decade, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and let's not even get started talking about the Oscars. Ooh, child. So many complicated emotions to sort through. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's a bummer to even have to think about it. And that is why we need the antidote. This is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. So what was your antidote this week, Grace? Um, I went to Runyon Canyon in Los Angeles. So those of you who don't know what Runyon Canyon is, it's sort of um, a park that is very hilly and you climb upwards. It's very, very popular um, as a thing to do here in L.A. I decided to drive up to uh, Runyon Canyon and take a hike. And it was lovely. So I climbed all the way to the top. And when you get to the top, it's just like this beautiful view of Los Angeles. And it was a really clear, sunny day. And I felt like Mufasa mm. on the top of the hill. I was just like, everything the light touches is yours. That is... But obviously that's not true. I do not own... Everything the light touches in Los Angeles. But for a moment, I felt like I did. <laughs> and so I just really think it's a great way that, you know, anyone can do this. You know, even if you don't live near like a, a hiking trail or whatever, uh, you can get outside, go to a place that you don't normally walk. If you're taking just a regular walk, mm -hmm. go to a park, go to the ocean. You know, when I'm on my hike, you know, I got my AirPods in, listening to a podcast or some music. So I'm not like on mm -hmm. my phone looking at all the alerts coming in like, this thing is shit. This is another reason the world is shit. Like, you just take a break from yeah. that for a minute. <laughs> So, um, Amy, what was your antidote this week? Well, this week, um, my antidote is actually something I use pretty often. Um, I, I really love arranging flowers. Mm. And it's something that I started doing during the pandemic. There was something about the staleness of always just being in your space and everything being the same every day. Like, wake up, shower, zoom, go, go, back in, mm -hmm. zoom, go, zoom, 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 <laughs> zoom, 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 zoom. It was just like so monotonous yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I was just like, I need something in this house that is living. Yeah. Um, and I had worked with this woman. Um, uh, her, her Instagram is the Plum Dahlia, and she's amazing. And she literally brings me a, a bucket of flowers. Her name is Brooke. Oh, yeah. That's my plant lady, too. Yeah. Brooke's your plant lady, too. I love her. So, um, but she uh, she was like, oh, I'm actually, she helped me, like, pick some plants. And then she was like, I'm actually a florist. And I really work a lot with flowers. And she took me to the flower market. And I got to see all these fresh flowers this one morning at, like, 5 a.m. We went to the flower market in the pandemic. And I was like, things alive, well, thriving. Mm -hmm. So every two weeks, she brings me a bucket of flowers of just, like, mixed flowers um, from, um, I think, the flower market in downtown LA and leaves them on my doorstep. I pay her. Um, <laughs> but it's so nice to just get like, uh, generally, I'm just like, surprise me, whatever's in season, just bring it and dump it. And she brings me a bucket of flowers. And it's like a ritual that every Friday after work or every other Friday, it's every two weeks that she brings these flowers. I will disconnect from my computer and I turn on a good song mm. and it's just me and the flowers and I unroll all the flowers she gives me on my kitchen counter and I cut them all and I like take off the lower leaves and I get my vases out and I choose, oh, what goes in this vase? What goes in that vase? 
fill it with water, put in the plant food, put in the flowers, make my little arrangements. And to be honest, the reason it's an antidote is because I don't know if it's because I'm Nigerian, a child of immigrants, but like I try and monetize like every hobby I have. Look at me, I'm a whole writer. That was a hobby. <laughs> and I was like, let's turn that into income. I was like, I need something that is actually a hobby that is fully just mine mm-hmm. and isn't for anyone but me. And um, I take pictures of the flowers, but I don't post them. I did one reel on TikTok way back in the pandemic because I was bored. But like, I I just always take pictures and they're just my pictures of my flower arrangements. But I wanted to say the thing that inspired me to actually start doing a flower arrangement Mm -hmm. instead of getting bouquets was this woman I follow on Instagram, Bia Blooms. Um, I follow her too. Watching Bia like just literally like turn that vase around and figure out what she's going to do with the arrangement. I was like, I can do that. And not in a like, I can't do it like her. Like she's like a full virtuoso. But I'm like, I can do that. Like I can... Do it on my scale and smaller and, and jankier, but like just for me, I can do that. And it looks like it calms her. So I want to see if it calms me. And it literally does. Oh, I love it. And also, I just love that both of our antidotes kind of had to do with nature this this time. We don't tell each Ooh, other. You're so right. Yeah, we don't tell each That's other. So, funny. so you, yours was about the sort of beauty of nature, bringing that beauty Mm -hmm. into your house. And mine was about going out into nature um, and and experiencing nature that way. So, you know, just take a moment for this week, even if it's 10 minutes, just get outside, even if it's in your backyard. You know, you know, we live these lives where we get from car or if you live in a big city where there's a subway, you go from your subway to your home and there's screens at work and there's screens at home or you have a Zoom life like I do and you're just at home. You know what I'm saying? Zoom, zoom, zoom. All I want to do is put the zoom, zoom, zoom and a boom, boom. (laughs) And another zoom. (laughs) So, you know, just step away, get outside, realize there's a whole natural world out there and we're supposed to be a part of it. Ah, I love that. Well, we'll be right back after this break. Here we go. Welcome back to The Antidote. Um, We have a special guest today. Who is it, Grace? Our guest today is a decorated actress with multiple Emmy nominations, several NAACP Image Awards, and a Golden Globe for her starring role as Dr. Rainbow Johnson in ABC's critically acclaimed series, Blackish. She is the founder and CEO of Pattern Beauty. She is an executive producer who I am lucky enough to work with on Jody, our Daria spinoff. And she's the founder of Joy Mill Entertainment. She is a fashion icon. And if you look up the word baddie in the dictionary, she is the picture with the definition. Finally, she's one of the most light-filled beings I have ever had the privilege of meeting. Please welcome Ms. Tracy Ellis Ross. That was crazy. I will say this. You forgot one really important factor. Your friend. You're my friend, of course. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How could I ever? She could have used her platform (laughs) to pump up herself. And you see how she didn't? That's Grace. I know. (laughs) A selfless queen. (laughs) My, My wonderful friend. We are so honored to speak with you. You are so impressive, Tracy. Oh, my God. Cool it. The two of you. Cool it. Or my new favorite expression, get out of here. But we aren't here to talk about your many, many accomplishments, just so you know. 
We're here to get deep. So let's check in first. How are you feeling today? Like, for real, not small talk. Like, is there anything that you that's weighing on you or making you feel amazing today? How are you feeling? I'm actually feeling really good today. Um, last night, I got a really good night's sleep. Um, <sighs> and you, Yeah. And, you know, right now, they're not easy to come by for me. And so, and I'm really big on my sleep um, because I'm, I move very heartily through a day and (laughs) I mean, I, you know, all cylinders fire during a day for me. So when I actually turn it off, like I really like to get that rim and get in there. And in this growth spurt that I am in, as these hormonal shifts are occurring in my body at 49 Mm -hmm. years old, um, there's some growing pains around this growth spurt and um, the sleep has been hard to come by. Mm. And so the last, uh, last night I like got a good night's sleep and it was like, Ooh, that was juicy. So it made today, even though today was really hefty, I had a really good day today. How was today for you? I'm so happy to hear that. Um, I feel great today for the same reason as you, Tracy. I, I have been running on fumes since 2022 started, and I literally had a breakdown while at the gym yesterday and started crying (laughs) out of exhaustion. And I went to bed last night at 9.45 p.m., and I was like, couldn't have done a better thing for myself. I feel like we don't sleep enough um, as a society. We don't. And and by the way, Amy, it's so interesting. I remember... I mean, we all have heard this never endingly, but yeah. I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I said to Naomi Campbell, she said, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I said, yeah, but here's the thing. You might die sooner. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 you know, the sleep is, and I also, I think that, which is why I love what you guys are talking about, particularly as black women and women But culturally and societally, this idea of the hustle and the grind um, has given people a really kind of warped sense of how to be the most productive Mm -hmm. and how to have the most, what I like to call juicy and joyful life. Mm -hmm. And I really think that rest, harmony in your life, um, balance, if you can find it, which is not always a choice for all of us when you have kids, I mean, sometimes finding a balance between work and play is just not possible. Um, but, and finding out what play is for you, like all those kinds of things. Um, a nap, um, they're so underrated. And the truth is that I feel like if we gave better attention to those things, we actually would be more productive and we would be a more compassionate society. As you know, this show is called The Antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit. So I want to know, Tracy, we both want to know what's yours. Like what's something non-work related that's bringing you joy this week, this month, this year? I love audiobooks. Like I love, love, love them. What are you listening to right now? Uh, Something Terra 2. Any David Sedaris book is a favorite. Oh, he's so funny. Oh my God. It's, he's got a great voice hearing him. Um, I really loved listening to Kiese Lehman's heavy, Mm, um, him him read it himself. I just finished that one. 
Um, I love a good conversation with friends, girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love a dinner. Um, I'm not a big goer outer, but I just love putting on something cute and going to dinner. And that has been a real loss for me during the pandemic. Me too. Um, To not have that. Cause I, I love that kind to connect over food. Mm -hmm. Um, friends is like really special. I love being with my nieces and nephews and my family. I love my siblings and, um, my sister, my older sister, Rhonda and my nephew, Raif came mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. we went on my favorite hike in the area. And then we cooked lunch. Um, well I cooked lunch and we listened to David Sedaris. He was so annoyed. My 12 year old nephew. <laughs> He's like, we have to oh listen God, to I'm- a book. <laughs> it was so annoying. What are some of my other antidotes? I love a fresh cut flower. Mm-hmm. I have plants all over my house. Yes. I care for them and I wipe their leaves down and I spritz them and I talk to them. Amy's losing her shit. I'm just, I'm just telling you, Amy's losing her I'm shit. I'm losing my shit, because... Tracy, because like literally I do this. <laughs> literally, look at my plant right here. I have plants. That's a money plant, Amy. Yes. And I have plants all over my house. That's and a blossoming I... money plant. Literally, it's thriving. As is my oh, bank account. Yes. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Girl. Uh, yeah, I have a money plant too in my living room. And I also am a plant mom. I'm very, I have a an app called Planta um, that helps me yes, like, know when I, sh- I should girl. water them, my children, whether I should, when I should spritz them, whether I should give them a little, yep. you know, plant food. Yes. My father is my plant app. Oh. I love that. He just calls you up and he's like, Hey. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. And like, so the best story is during the pandemic, I was living with a big uh, fiddle leaf fig. I mm-hmm. made a move recently. She did not like the move and she's mm-hmm. not thriving in the same way. Um, but my dad, I was like, dad, look at my fiddle. Leaf. She's amazing. And he goes, he sent it back with a thumbs down. <laughs> like, the shade. The sh- <laughs> seriously, my dad is known for that. He said, I just zoomed in. What is that ugly piece of tape on her? And I was like, oh, I'm, I put the tape so she goes up. He goes, wow, excuse me. Problems. He said, plants like beautiful things too, oh, Tracy. Wow. Do you have a ribbon? Wow. He's yeah. right. He was right. So I went and got this beautiful velvet ribbon and put it on my plant. And, um, and that was when she really started thriving. Oh, so, goodness. but my dad literally, he repotted in my new house. We, he did the whole front with me. We went to yeah. nursery together. We potted everything. He moved things around the house and, yeah. you know, it was a whole, whole thing. So my dad, when I have a question, I'll send him the picture of a leaf and be like, what's <laughs> happening? <here?"> Damn. <laughs> well, that is wonderful. Just a random leaf. He's like, good morning to you too. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, well, by the way, and now he'll send me texts and say, um, He'll say, like, tell them that I miss them or whatever. He's like, and I mean it out loud. Oh, my gosh. That, you know what? Like, knowing you, that makes me, that makes so much sense that your dad is like that. By the way, I love when he makes an appearance on your Instagram. You guys are so adorable together. I'm curious. um, I want to know, because, you know, we... We, we both follow you on Instagram and obviously Grace and you go way back, but I, I, I don't always know the story behind every gram. Um, could you walk us through the belly massage video that you posted? My favorite video. My favorite video of all time. Yes. 
<laughs> I was just like, I just like scrolled out through Instagram and I was just like, oh, Tracy. And I was just like, oh, she looks gorgeous. And then he started doing this. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot of antidotes mm-hmm. and I really believe in movement and movement of the skin, mm-hmm. movement of the body, whatever. I was off the phone with my friend Adrian. And she was like, girl, why are you out of breath? <laughs> you were breathless in the video. <laughs> I said, I'm massaging my belly. And she was like, I'm sorry, what now? And I said, well, I'm massaging it. I just put some oil on out of the shower or whatever. I don't know what it was. And I said, I'm massaging it. And she was like, and I said, let me FaceTime you. Let me show you. Because I started telling her about it and how it was important. She was like, you're insane. I FaceTimed her. And then when I saw myself doing it, (laughs) I said, need to hang up. Got to (laughs) record. Now, I have a philosophy for Instagram. I will not shoot something for Instagram. I won't get mm-hmm. dressed up for Instagram. I won't mm-hmm. like, I, but I'm happy to capture things that are occurring. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm thrilled. <laughs> no, I really think it made a lot of women feel so good. Like, I, I think that that to acknowledge that, you know, we, our bodies are all changing. I know my body is very different than it was, uh, even five years ago. So, um, and I don't know, you still look so gorgeous. Well, I mean, you look, you, (laughs) not only do you have an aspirational body as you're doing this, it also makes it like very approachable to be like, oh, right. Like I, I can, I can have fun. And even if I'm uncomfortable with my body, yeah. I, can have, I can have a joy about it. And I don't, and the jiggle, the the things that move, mm-hmm. you know, like my body, I look at Instagram and I'm just like, oh, is that what it's supposed to look like? I mean, it's so confusing though. Because it's it, a nightmare. It is, but it starts to really. Yeah, it gets in there. Like mess with yeah. what you see. You know, I remember when I was in must have been the beginning of college and the the breast implants had sort of taken mm-hmm. off um yeah. when I was younger it wasn't and i remember i was so self-conscious this one summer going mm-hmm. to the beach because when i laid on my back my boobs would go flat mm-hmm. um and they would you know fall down and what i had been seeing and this is back then so don't even talk about butts but yeah someone would yeah and their boobs would stay up. And God bless, everybody has different boobs, but I became incredibly self-conscious. And I remember, I can't remember who, maybe it was a therapist, somebody who was like, first of all, all boobs are different. Yeah. They're just all different. Some people sit up, some people fall down. So they do all different things. Um, And I actually, I think I wrote a piece about it, actually. I love that. I think I did. But, um, But mine are like eggs and they just go, and not hard boiled ones. Yeah, <laughs> not straight up in the carton. No, they're a they're, little to the side. They're a little to the side. Ain't no shell on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're really like yolks. Yeah, <laughs> like you know when you crack it in the pan. That's what this is like. <laughs> and so I had to like reconcile between what I was seeing um, yeah. and and what my body looked like and. You know, all that kind of stuff. I I wish we all could have a more compassionate and loving relationship to 
not only what we see in the mirror, but mm-hmm. what our bodies feel like. It's uh, it can be like a really bad like worm in your mm-hmm. head. Yeah. Um, and I I actively um spend energy and time working against it. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about that? Like, what is the conversation that you have with yourself? Like when you see, you know, the egg yolks, when you see (laughs) those funny moments, what is the conversation that you're having with yourself to try and get yourself to the place where you're accepting you? My worthiness. This is what I say to myself, Amy. My worthiness, my beauty, my Mm -hmm. sexiness is not defined by my physical body. It is not. If I think of the women that I think are beautiful and worthy and sexy, it is not because I'm like, oh my God, her ass is like so perfect. It's never that. It's never been Mm -hmm. what I thought. Never. And honestly, if you talk to those that you want to find sexy, they don't think that either. Mm -hmm. It's so true. That makes me so emotional. That makes me so emotional too. And I, I... I just want to say that, like, what you are saying is going to be healing to a lot of women because, I mean, you are objectively fine as fuck. So uh, I definitely think (laughs) that if you struggle, I think that um, a lot of women who struggle will will feel a lot of comfort um, in that, that it's everyone. It's not. It's the way that we're programmed. And also, by the way, another piece of that is. What you all see of me um, is what I have decided to share with to you. To show, yeah. So, you know, sure, I was flipping and flapping on my my whatever on my stomach, um, but it wasn't in the lighting where I would have personally been traumatized by it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. um, and same thing with the pictures that I share or whatever, like for every great sexy picture there's 83 that i've pressed a lead on you know I mean? <laughs> no i mean everybody can relate to that on yourself because <laughs> lord knows like literally i remember on my birthday i um i was at insecure i was doing my um my cameo you know all the writers do cameos and episodes of insecure so i did my cameo and it was like my birthday and i had my makeup done and everything like that and I was like oh this will be a great little birthday shoot girl I took a hundred pictures before I found one that was acceptable to post so (laughs) I mean yeah I mean we could all relate to to that no but I love what you're saying about the separation of like who how you feel about yourself being separate from how you physically look. I'm like, I want to sit in that just a little longer because when I heard it, I was like, I've never said it to myself that way. And it's so important to realize that these are two, these have to, for like mental health, have to be two different things. Yeah, and I think part of what makes them two different things is knowing that, is knowing where the connection lies between those two things. Mm-hmm. And you turn it around and make it into something so much better. I'm like, I I love embracing exactly where we are, both like 
as a, I feel like things are so heavy right now. And obviously that's why we we love talking to people like you who are just bring some light in because everything is perspective and keeping the good perspective on where we are. But I think the key, and I will, we can end on this. I, I think the key is finding what makes your heart sing. And those things can be big and small and yeah. being able to cultivate and carve out space for yourself to do those things that allow harmony in your life even if it's five minutes by yourself um, or five minutes doing a thing that you love and antidoting all of the reality of how hard life is, I am such an advocate. So what a treat, number one, to talk to the two of yous, who I think are both amazing. Um, One, a friend and one that I'm now adopting, Amy. Thank you. Um, Happy to join the film. Adopting a friend. And also two women whose work I just am in awe of and really appreciate what you bring to the world in so many ways and now with this as well. Um, But the way you use your voice and the content you create that continues to create balance and harmony in the images of how we get to see ourselves in expansive, in an expansive, beautiful way is just exciting. So I'm happy to be here talking to the two of you about antidote. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> ah, that interview with Tracy Ellis Ross was amazing. Mm-hmm. If you want to see the video we refer to, it is on her Instagram and the post was dated February 2nd. Now we're doing our creative tap-in in which we tip, tip, tap in to our creativity. Uh, Amy and I are both writers, so being creative brings us joy. And this is a podcast about joy. So Grace, every week, is going to surprise me with a quote about creativity. And I'm going to let her know what it makes me think. Here we go. The painting has a life of its own. I try to let it come through. I'll say that one more time. The painting has a life of its own. I try to let it come through. And that is from Mr. Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock? He a painter. I heard of him. Yeah, he liked the paint. Y'all seen it. Y'all seen it. Um, But I actually do like this quote because I am a writer. And when I'm writing, I believe that the characters are real people. I always try and design my characters like they're real. I give them biographies. Where are they from? Where do they grow up? Why did their parents name them that? What's their favorite song? I try and make them real people before I start writing. So the essence of, to me, when I hear the painting has a life of its own, let it come through. That's how I feel like I can't ram story through when I'm writing. I'm like, what would this character actually do? And I, if the character is a living person, I can't like say that they're going to do this thing because it's story convenient. It has to make sense. And I have to let that character move how they move. And sometimes I can want all day for a, something to happen in a story. But unless I make it make sense to my character, it's going to feel forced. And it's not going to be a good painting of words. Yes. <laughs> what does it make you think? Sometimes your characters, sometimes your story takes on a life of its own. And it's a weird thing that when it happens, because it's like, I, wait, I did this. I did this. You are my creation. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, it does sort of have to make sense. The story points, the jokes sometimes. 
Sometimes I will come up with a banger ass joke. And I was just like, okay, I, I did it today. Um, I wrote a joke about medium penis energy. And I love that joke. Love it. Yeah, a lot of guys But that. Uh, sometimes you got to kill a joke that is a fucking banger ass joke. Because it just doesn't make sense coming out of your character's mouth. It doesn't make sense with the story that we're telling. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't connect. It's always a, um, a sort of a freaky experience when you realize that you cannot bend the character to your will. You actually have to bend your will to the character sometimes. And isn't that like not to, I don't want to sound like uh, cocky or something, but is, isn't that talent? Like, isn't that you as an artist? Like, there's a moment, I think, when you be cross from proficient into talented, mm -hmm. when you realize you can't force it. And I yeah. feel like Mr. Pollock in his splatter paint is literally like, because to me, I look at his art, no offense, <laughs> I get it, he's a virtuoso, but I look at his art, I'm like, it's just like some splatters. But I do think that he's saying that even this is unforced, like, I let it breathe and it was supposed to be this much yellow and this much blue and this much green. And I feel like there's a like a tipping point when you realize if I force it, it's going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. And it's like God or the universe or somebody out there, whatever you believe in. I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes your work comes through you. It's just like, you know, when mm. parents, you know, sometimes are like, oh, my child came through me. My child didn't come from me. I mean, I ain't got no kids. So these scripts is my babies. So mm -hmm. sometimes Same. it comes through you and not um, yeah. it's not of you. It's like comes through you. And yeah. yeah, that's like tapping into whatever like creative force there is. Okay, well, thanks for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. <laughs> oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracieact. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi, A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. And if you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And also rate us five stars. This is our first episode. Please rate us five stars. We need it. Uh, goodbye. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. It's produced by Jana Hanchard, and our associate producer is Taylor Polidor. Our executive producer is Erica Krause, and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Evan Clark. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Teruth. APM studio executives in charge are Lily Kim, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>